Hello and welcome to another episode of My Favorite Trees. My name is Thomas and I love trees. You may be looking at the titles of this episode and the last one and think that you're seeing double, but you're not. There are two entirely different trees called the sycamore with just a little bit of spelling difference and I thought it'd be fun to cover them both back to back. I do apologize if that confused you at all. This sycamore is not at all related to the sycamore I just covered, aside from the fact they are both well-known for being super shady. But while shade was the core appeal of the plane tree, the cultural impact of the sycamore fig is far more extensive. It is seen as the tree of life for numerous African cultures. And it's also a fig. Figs are notorious for their wacky biology, and I've said before that any culture that develops where figs grow will end up worshipping their local fig in surprisingly unique ways. So let's go ahead and revisit all that weird wasp reproduction stuff, learn some new ways the fig serves its surrounding ecosystem, and explore both lesser known cultures and new sides of otherwise common ancient beliefs. ready for fig tree episode number five. We've talked about the Hindu banyan, also known as the strangler fig. We've covered the Buddhist bodhi tree. We mentioned the rubber fig in my latex producing tree medley, and we've explored the common fig that is so prevalent in both Abrahamic faiths and our supermarket shelves. It's time for the sycamore fig. All these figs belong to the mulberry family, known scientifically as moraceae, This means that they are cousins to trees like the mulberry, as well as the Osage orange, the breadfruit, and the jackfruit. But out of the 1,100 species in this family, a whopping 800 of them belong to the fig genus Ficus. Yes, there are 800 different figs out there. And you would be wrong to think that if you met one fig, you've met them all. There's an astonishing amount of diversity across this group that causes many figs to be totally distinct from others. In order to organize all these distinctions, botanists further split the ficus group into several subgroups and sections. And despite the fact that we've already covered a handful of fig species, the sycamore fig belongs to a section I have yet to cover. All this fantastic taxonomy aside, what do these sycamores look like? Sycamore figs, in Latin ficus sycamoris, can reach heights of around 20 meters or 65 feet tall. Not necessarily the tallest tree that you'll see, but it's still considered quite big because of its wide-spreading crown. This fig's expansive canopy, along with its many branches and large heart-shaped leaves, are defining features of the tree due to the large areas of shade they create. And who doesn't love a terrific shady space provided by your favorite nearby tree? It's actually this shade-providing feature that leads to the sycamore name confusion. The name sycamore comes from Greek roots. Sikos, or sikon, meaning fig, and morum, or morus, meaning mulberry, sycamorus. It directly translates to fig mulberry, which is one of the common names for this tree. 
This mostly has to do with its long-understood family connection to mulberry trees, especially since they often grow nearby to a couple mulberry species that are native to the eastern Mediterranean. And while this is the most accepted interpretation of the tree's name origins, there are some that claim the name comes from the Hebrew word from this tree, shikma, though it's more commonly expected that the similarities between the two Hebrew and Greek names for the tree are merely a coincidence. So then, if the name sycamore is clearly derived from this tree species, why is the completely different and not at all related plane tree also called the sycamore? It all comes down to the fact that both of these trees are very shady. Like how there's a quote-unquote true laurel, but many other species are referred to as laurels simply because they are also broadleaf evergreens. This fig tree was historically known as a great shade tree, so when the plane tree was also recognized as being very shady, it was given the nickname sycamore as a reference. And that ultimately became the common name for the plane tree species found in North America. So while there is a certain linguistic meaning for the word sycamore, it's come to be that there is a separate cultural meaning for the name as well. But you know, it just wouldn't be a fig episode if I didn't do a deep dive on this strange phenomenon that is fig tree reproduction. If this is the first fig tree episode of mine that you've listened to, you're in for a wild ride. If you've listened to my others, you'll find that this species reproduces in much the same way as others in this genus. But I do have some fresh ecological facts for you afterwards that I haven't covered before. Anyway, it all starts with flowers. Except when it comes to figs, you don't get to see the flowers. Instead, what you'll see are these little green orbs hanging from the branches that we call syconia. A singular syconium is a fleshy, hollow receptacle with all the flower and fruit activity happening on the inside. And wasp species belonging to the family Agaunidae see this fleshy receptacle as the perfect place to have their babies. Imagine, if you will, a pregnant wasp. It's tough enough being a mother, not to mention a wasp about to be a mother, with no wasp hospitals to give birth in. But I expect if they did exist, we would have to call them waspitals. Anyway, the best alternative to a formal medical facility is this inside-out fig flower. Luckily for the wasp, there's a little hole at the bottom of the structure for the expecting mother to squeeze into. Unluckily for the wasp, the hole is so tight that she will inevitably tear her wings off trying to get in, which is not really a problem because she won't need to use them ever again. The wasp squeezes in where she is now surrounded by the actual fig flowers. She lays her eggs and dies, ultimately dissolving and becoming one with the fig, as will we all someday. Sometime later, her eggs will hatch. The males hatch first, and they use their strong male jaws to tear a more comfortable hole in the structure so that they and the female newborn wasps to follow can comfortably escape with their wings intact. This strange wasp life cycle is ultimately what pollinates the fig. The wasp mother our story began with would have herself been bored inside a fig syconium among these flower structures producing their pollen. She would have left her place of birth with this pollen on her, and when she arrived at this birthing room slash final resting place, that fig reproductive material then pollinates the fig she's in, ultimately allowing this fig flower structure to become what we recognize 
as fig fruits. And if that whole interaction wasn't absurd and complicated enough for you, then perhaps it will intrigue you to know that each unique fig species has this relationship with its own distinct species of fig wasp in the family Agaunidae. For example, Ficus sycamorus is only pollinated by the species Caratosolan arabicus, pronunciation unclear, and Caratosolan arabicus only pollinates Ficus sycamorus. The sycamore fig is somewhat special though, because a second wasp species, known as Caratosolan galilee, also uses it as their reproducing grounds, but it is a non-pollinating species, meaning the fig doesn't actually benefit from the wasps doing this, it just kind of happens to them. What further fascinates me is that this is merely one example of unique and interesting interactions that other organisms have with the sycamore. Fig trees in general are considered keystone species in their given ecosystem. A keystone species is an organism upon which a significant amount of other life forms depend. If you picture an ecological web with strands connecting all the different living things that interact with each other, that web will experience varying degrees of destruction were you to remove any of the different organisms that are a part of it. Keystone species, like the sycamore fig, are those that would do the most damage to the ecosystem web as a whole were it to disappear. Here are some interactions that other organisms have with the sycamore that I find particularly interesting. A number of ant species live on the sycamore and thus use it for shelter as well as for food. These ants are especially territorial and will attack other insect species that they see as encroaching on their turf, ultimately protecting the health of the sycamore and the sycamore fig wasps that could fall victim to these invading forces. At the same time, ants don't know that the pollinator wasps are the good guys and will also attack them. Far away from the fig tree itself, crocodiles benefit from figs. They don't use them as food, but various fish species do. So crocodiles will wait in water where figs have fallen to catch the fish that try to eat them. But my favorite interaction between figs has to do with butterflies. When a fig falls to the ground and doesn't get eaten, it will begin to rot and the juice inside the fruit will ferment into alcohol. This fermented fig juice smells awesome to butterflies, who will flock on these rotted fruits and ultimately get drunk off of it. And while this feels great for the butterfly, this inhibits their ability to avoid predators, and so they more easily end up as food for birds and monkeys. There are a ton of interactions like the ones I mentioned, though admittedly none of them are as cool as drunk butterflies. Now, if you wanted to see these interactions for yourself and also enjoy the noteworthy shade these trees provide, you would have to go to Africa. The sycamore fig can be found across much of central and southern Africa, excluding the really dense rainforest areas, as well as parts of Egypt, southern Arabia, and the Levant region of Israel and Palestine. Sycamores especially love growing near water sources, and it has been this expected connection to life-giving water that has long drawn humans to the shade of these magnificent trees.
Across several human cultures, there exists the concept of the tree of life. What exactly the tree of life symbolizes and what tree inspires such significance varies from culture to culture. Sometimes it presents the idea that this divine organism gives life, like in the case of China's legend of the peaches of immortality. Sometimes these trees take on a more cosmic role, physically existing as the core structure of the universe, like in the case of the Norse Yggdrasil, thought to be either an ash or a yew. For a number of African cultures, the sycamore fig is a tree of life, acting as both those ideas. African peoples are diverse and numerous, so it would be impossible and ignorant to lump their varying perceptions of this tree together. To keep things simple, I am going to specifically present the sycamore as the tree of life as seen by the Oromo people. The Oromo are native to the region known as the Horn of Africa, historically occupying much of what is now Ethiopia and some northern parts of modern-day Kenya on the east side of the continent. Many who claim Oromo identity actively practice their traditional folk religions, but because their belief system is monotheistic, meaning just a single god, many who have converted to Christianity or Islam blend these beliefs together. So regardless of whether you call the big man in the sky God, Allah, or any other form of creator, a central icon of this faith and society as a whole is the sycamore fig, or the Oda tree, as they call it. The Oda stands as the structure to existence. Its branches reach up to the heavens, its trunk plunges into the earth, and its roots reach down into the primordial waters that are the underworld. This connection to the primordial water is said to be what allows the Oda to grow and form such shady places in areas that would otherwise be considered barren. The Oda's branches reaching up to the heavens lends to a connection between mortal beings and the divine creator. It is said that an early human standing under an Oda received the word of law from God himself in a manner similar to the story of the Ten Commandments, and thus the sycamore is also a symbol of order, righteousness, and of society as a whole. The concepts of this mythology serve not only as a strong source of faith and culture, but also manifest in practical, applicable ways. The idea of the Oda roots connecting to the underworld's primordial waters can be observed by how these fig trees can withstand drought long enough to tap into groundwater sources. So anywhere that you see an Oda grow, you can expect that there is a source of water nearby. Meanwhile, the connection of the Oda to systems of politics and legislature manifests thanks to the shade the tree's canopy provides. Historically, important councils pertaining to judgment, treaties, and other societal or religious gathering have repeatedly been held under massive trees that provide wide areas of shade. The Oda is a tree that provides access to life-sustaining resources as well as a place to gather as a community to practice religious traditions and democratic processes. How could it be seen as anything less than holy? Wherever this tree grows throughout the continents of Africa, you'll find that other numerous ethnic groups have also invested their cultures in this unique organism. And for similar reasons as people like the Oromo, the sycamore is also considered a tree of life in the cultures of ancient Egypt further to the north. 
looking at a range map of where this tree species is native, you'll notice that the growing regions are significantly divided by the Sahara Desert in Africa and the Arabian Desert in the Middle East. Which leads me to wonder if the native range of this fig was split when these deserts formed over 5,000 years ago, or if they were actually introduced to the northern extent of its growing area by humans. Either way, written evidence of sycamore cultivation in Egypt dates back to the 3rd millennium BCE, sometime between 4 and 5,000 years ago. Ancient Egyptians certainly valued the tree for its shade, but also noted its important uses as a source of food and medicine, as well as its wood. Sycamore wood was used for a variety of products, but most notably common as the wood used to craft the coffins that Egyptian pharaohs were entombed in, known as sarcophagi. There's some research going on at Iowa State University I was reading about involving extracting sycamore DNA from live leaf samples in order to understand how differences in human activity around these different trees have affected their genetics. One of their goals is to figure out how to extract and understand DNA from dead wood samples taken from these sarcophagi to further understand the genetic evolution of these trees since ancient times. Really cool stuff. Now, you may find it strange that this so-called tree of life is what is commonly used as material to house dead bodies. Thing is, that's just what Egyptians are into. Their concepts of life and death are intrinsically intertwined, and they do have some extensive lore surrounding life after death. The sycamore often finds itself connected to Egyptian goddesses like Nut and Isis, both seen as representing life, death, and rebirth. I find Nut's connection to the sycamore particularly interesting because she is seen as the goddess of the sky, but also one who protects the dead as they enter the afterlife. It just strikingly reminds me of the Aromo belief of the Oda's branches reaching towards the heavens and the roots reaching down to the underworld. But more often than not, I've seen the sycamore fig tied to the Egyptian goddess Hathor, another sky goddess representing a number of different human aspects. Among these varying manifestations, Hathor's association with the sycamore is often tied to her roles with sexuality and reproduction, as well as mirth and drunkenness. Which really just makes me think about fig wasp reproduction and drunk butterflies again. Deities are physically represented by a number of forms. Sometimes you'll see Hathor as a straight-up woman, sometimes she's depicted as a cow, and sometimes she's depicted as half-woman, half-tree. That tree being a sycamore fig. According to various historical texts, there was a time when every village in Egypt had a sycamore fig. But these days, the tree's population in this country is in decline. This is because the fig wasp species that pollinates Ficus sycamorus is extinct in Egypt, so any reproduction that happens is manually performed by taking cuttings from the tree and planting those, essentially making clones. This is unfortunate because we know how important this tree was historically. The Christian Bible makes note in the book of Psalms that one of the plagues set upon Egypt when Pharaoh would not free the Israelites was hail that destroyed vines and killed sycamore trees with frost. The plagues are often interpreted as the Judeo-Christian God proving his divine dominance over the pantheon of gods long worshipped in ancient Egypt. The act of killing the sycamore 
was thus an act of supplanting the previous culture. I believe it is because of this cultural divide that, while the sycamore gets some mention, the common fig, known scientifically as Ficus carica, is more iconic as a symbol of the Levantine region along the eastern shores of the Mediterranean. The sycamore often gets points for being better at providing shade, as referenced when the Virgin Mary travels through Egypt while pregnant and stops to rest in the shade of one of these fig trees. She's just like one of those wasps. But there's never really a rivalry set up between these two fig species in the Bible. More often than not, this sycamore fig is culturally juxtaposed against the cedar of Lebanon. There are mentions of where one grows and the other does not, using the native range of these two plant species to reference social divisions in human nations. In the book of Isaiah, there is mention of the prideful men of northern Israel who believe they can weather the wrath of God, saying that if these sycamores are torn down, we will replace them with cedars, meaning that what is broken by God they can replace with something they see as better, again presenting the cultural rivalry in the Levant between these two trees. And ultimately, the sycamore fig is a tree that historically doesn't get the recognition that other trees get on a global scale. Perhaps this is my western bias presenting itself, but when I think of sycamore, I think of the plane tree. And when I think of fig, I think of the common fig. But in the lands where the sycamore fig grows, it is iconic and supremely significant to local culture. I want to close out my exploration of this tree by bringing it back to its representation in the Oromo culture as a world tree providing the structure of reality. This is a tree that is seen as connecting multiple worlds. It connects the heavens to earth to the underworld. It connects life and death. It connects mortal beings to the divine. Let this sycamore fig serve as a means of connection for you, to connect you to cultures you maybe hadn't known anything about, or sides of more well-known cultures that opened up new avenues of understanding. The end of June marked the conclusion of the second quarter of 2023, meaning it was time for another Patreon donation. This quarter, 20% of my subscriptions was given to the Longleaf Alliance, an organization that works to restore longleaf pine ecosystems in the American South. Huge shoutouts to Kim K, Rance M, Lori H, Tony K, Ali L, and Smarty Pants for making this charitable effort possible. And these fine patrons got the chance to vote on the next quarter's organization, Neighborhood Forest. Neighborhood Forest raises money to connect America's youth with planting trees in their neighborhoods to help grow our urban forests. If you would like to help contribute to sustainable nonprofits like these and get perks like early access, behind the scenes content, and my bonus Tree Walks with Thomas video series, check out patreon.com slash myfavoritetrees. My next tree will share in a theme I discussed today as a figure where life meets death. In two weeks, I will cover how the white poplar native to Southern Europe defined significant aspects of Greek and Roman mythology, specifically by making every god in the pantheon a god of death. Tune in on July 25th to hear some stories about Hades and Hercules, how the white poplar carried the Renaissance art period on its back, and why this beautiful tree is seeing scorn in other parts of the world.
want to thank all of you for listening to this podcast. If you enjoyed it, please consider leaving a rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify to help us grow. The music is by Academy Garden. You can find more of their awesome stuff at academygarden.bandcamp.com. My cover art is by at Boomerang Brit on Instagram. My script editor and social media manager is the wonderful Lori Hilburn. Find me on Twitter and Facebook at My Favorite Trees or on Instagram at Tree Podcast. You can support me directly by joining my Patreon at patreon.com slash myfavoritetrees or donate directly to a sustainable organization like the ones found on my website, mftpodcast.com. Now, go find a tree that you love and give it a hug. Mm-hmm.